Ooh, that's so exciting. Yeah. We're just in the, like, spooky, spooky ooky. That's so great. That makes me so happy. I love the spooky ooky. Welcome to Pomegranates and Pitchforks. We are a true crime and horror podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. I'm Alexandria Youngray, and my lovely co-host is Sunshine Bellon. Greetings, listeners. Greetings, listeners. <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure that's the first intro that we did, was a greetings, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're ready for zombies? I am so ready for I'm zombies. I'm so excited for zombies. I'm really excited for zombies. This research yeah, was do. like so much fun to do. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. So like, Quizilla. Yes. I want. I I need to. I need to shout out a podcast. <gasps> oh yes, you do. I need to shout out my first fan fiction. Cause. <gasps> Cause, cause she shouted us out, and honestly, I listened. I listened all the way through. It reminds me of the shitty Quizilla like fan fictions that we used to read, and it's so stupid, and it's so charming, and it's so funny. Like, it's such a good idea to read like the first fan fiction you ever wrote. It's. I think that takes a lot of guts. Like, I think about real, stuff. I could not. <laughs> yeah, I think about stuff that I didn't really get into creative writing like that in high school, mm-hmm. but I I think about just sharing the thoughts of, you know, 15-year-old, 16-year-old me and I'm like, "Oh god." Yeah. Yeah, for real. Like and there's probably a reason I don't remember her? that stuff very well. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Anyway, yeah, I would I need to shout <laughs> out my first fan fiction pod because it's darling and super charming and so silly. And what's it a fanfic of? <laughs> it's one of those like, this is my favorite band. So girl runs in with her favorite band and ends up dating the lead singer. So what, what is the band? Tokyo Hotel. I'm so mad though because like, this dude is exactly the kind of dude I would be attracted to. Oh, really? Well, okay, yeah, I guess. I like because he's like petite boys. and femme. Um, is there anything else we need to shout about? Mm-mm. I don't think so. <sighs> I don't even know what life is anymore. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> like that sounds super edgy. I just like, I'm dead. It's fine. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> I get to go to bed already. Sweet, sweet. Okay, well let's do let's do zombies for a little bit first. Yay, zombies! Yay, zombies! So, let's start with etymology. Yes, which I think I did for werewolves. I think you did actually. Yes. Yeah. Etymology is super exciting. I actually really like etymology. No, I wasn't being sarcastic. I like it too. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean the the cool thing about this et- etymology is that it's all African. Yeah, I saw that in the outline. That's neat. Yeah. So the word 
The word zombie is almost entirely West African. There is there is some connection to the word jumbi, which is a mm-hmm. West Indian word for ghost. Okay. But then zumbi and nzambi are both from Kikongo, which is the spoken language in Congo. Okay. Zumbi is the word for fetish, as in like a created thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know? And yeah. nzambi. Uh, I've heard means God or spirit of a dead person. Okay. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. And then also in, we're going to get back into this later, but in like the voodoo religion in West Africa, Mm -hmm. there is zombie, Z-O-M-B-I, which is a a snake God in that religion. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, a lot of stuff that's like, okay, it's an undead thing. Right. But it's mostly fun because West Africa. Yay, West Africa! West Africa. We're not doing so much Eurocentric horror. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into Europe, but then we'll go right back to not Europe. This is actually... So this is one of the reasons that this was such a fun story to research is because the whole world is scared of dead people. (laughs) Yes, facts. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've got some stories from Europe, and we've got some stories from Asia, and we've got a ton of stories from Africa, and we've got stories from South America, and then eventually it comes to North America. And so literally everywhere is involved in the creation of our modern zombie. Perfect. And that's so fucking cool. I mean, I think it makes sense, right, on a really basic level. Oh, like, what's totally the scariest does. thing? Oh, death. So how can we embody death? Mm, undead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, basically everything, especially like in the lore stuff, is mm-hmm. very, you know, the way the way myths and fairies go, they're all a metaphor or an anecdote or an allegory that's meant to have a moral you know yeah and so in the very very foundation of what is the zombie it's very monkey's paw very careful what you wish for everybody doesn't want to die but what if this is what happens when you don't die Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like maybe you don't actually want that right this is the reality of the situation like careful what you wish for Mm -hmm. which i guess that is the definition of the monkey's paw <laughs> yeah and so like there's there's different like other morals in each of these lore stories mm-hmm. but you know careful what you wish for and like oh i don't want to die actually maybe you do it's pretty universal yeah I like it. Yeah. I like universal themes. Yes. And it is so fucking universal. (laughs) So the first recording of the word zombie was in 1819 in a history of Brazil by a poet, Robert Southey. Robert Southey? So basically the words came together possibly once they came across to South America. Okay. Yeah. So even though the the roots of the word were West African, 
sort of using it in the way we use it now is something that happened once that West African culture came to South America? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we'll get into that later. So let's do the what the fuck is a zombie. Yes, let's. I mean, A, because that's important, and B, because a lot of the undead stories I found it kind of becomes important that we define what our modern understanding of zombie is so that we can take these old stories and piece them into what we have now. Okay. So a zombie is either a reanimated corpse or a person who was infected by another zombie who then takes on the same traits. Right. Okay. So this like... So, like, I Am Legend would be the kind of zombies where somebody is bitten and they're not necessarily undead, but then they take on, like, weird quasi-dead characteristics and don't have rational thinking. They just have hunger. Yeah. Well, I mean, most most modern horror, like, with zombies has the bitten by a zombie become a zombie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I didn't specifically say bitten by, I said in, infected by, because yes. I've seen horror where it's literally like, if you get some of their blood on you, right. you know, it, get, or, it gets into a cut. Or again, in I Am Legend, that's a airborne virus, isn't it? I don't remember I Am Legend that well. Mm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I'm pretty sure it was an airborne virus. Also, aren't the zombies kind of weird in I Am Legend? Like, they well, might they're be like, maybe vampires? They're, no, they're, like, they're cannibalistic. Like, they eat people, but they're, it's weird, like, there's a whole, like, metabolic thing that happens, and mm-hmm. parts of their body shut down, and they're, it almost actually reminds me of what we were talking about with, um, what'd you call it, Karoo? Karoo. Karoo. Where they basically, like, their brains overheat, and they don't work as well, and the only sensation they feel is, like, insatiable hunger, and so then they just... Mm-hmm do that thing yeah yeah and i mean like i think nearly all zombies are driven solely by hunger right which is specifically satiated by human human flesh yes specifically and sometimes it's specifically satiated by brains Mm -hmm. which again connects to that oh, conversation yeah, it does we were having to Karoo. Yeah, I guess we're gonna have to like, have a cannibalism episode soon. Yeah, you're gonna have to dive into this a little more. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was I gonna if you say? Eat brains. You probably could become a zombie. Just don't don't eat brains, please. Don't eat brains. Don't eat brains. Or at don't least eat people. If you're gonna eat I brains, feel like, like we don't have eat primate to tell brains. Our listeners, this, but like, please don't eat people. <laughs> I don't know. People do some weird shit. I know I've already t- referenced Vice a couple times while we were talking before I started recording, but like. Once again, I saw a Vice article where this dude lost, had to have his foot amputated because it was so badly broken. So he cooked up part of it and ate it I with his friends. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another one, thank you, Vice, for all the information we don't actually need. A woman, like, ex- like extracted her own blood and made blood sausage out of it and then ate it with oh, her that's friends. That's kind of cool. I think that's disgusting. I mean... I can't imagine blood sausage being good in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in blood sausage. But if I ate blood sausage, I would totally eat human blood sausage. Maybe. There's like... I just think that's super super funny for you to say as a vegan. Yeah. I'm not ethically (laughs) disgusted by human flesh. I am pathogen disgusted by human flesh. Yeah. Yeah. It is a dangerous thing to eat people. I don't think it's 
especially with the level of consent that's involved in both those situations. I don't exactly think it's unethical or immoral. Yeah. But I do feel like there's some sort of natural law that's being broken that makes me really uncomfortable. There is. So, so small, 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 small animals, like insects, spiders, they eat each other. They're cannibalistic. That's, and, and so there's, there's pros and cons to cannibalism. Pro, literally all of the nutrition you could possibly need is in that thing. They have the same makeup as you. Right. So whatever it is that you need, it's in them. Cons, pathogens. Anything that they have that's wrong with And them, survival of the species. If your species' primary food source is the species, that limits your survival well, rates. I mean, it's not the primary food source, but like... For example, the mating rituals of praying mantises and I thought spiders. you were going to go there, yeah. yeah. You you get some fuck, but then you eat your husband because you need energy to make those babies. And then when those babies hatch, some of them eat each other. And then they go off and they eat whatever, and that's their right. circle of life. Right, but yeah, yeah. the reason that those things can eat each other is because they're so small that their lifespan is so short that the pathogens that they might get from eating each other doesn't actually hurt them as much as something with a longer lifespan, like a full-sized animal. Okay, that makes sense, because the pathogen wouldn't necessarily have time to, like, multiply to a point where it could be deadly. Yeah. Well, like, spiders don't have to worry about fucking mad cow disease, you know? Yeah. So... So that's the reason that, like, people oughtn't eat people, but spiders can eat spiders. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. I mean, a lot of this conversation we can save for the cannibalism episode. Don't worry, guys. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a much... Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about it uh, when the time comes. I don't yeah. think we're going to run out of material, but you're right. We can no. move on. <laughs> but, but yeah, eating people and stuff. What was I going to say? Zombies, zombies, Don't bite zombies. your neighbors. Don't bite your neighbors. You were talking about... Um, what a zombie. How you specifically said zombies, it's infection, not just biting, because oh, sometimes yeah, yeah, blood yeah. spray and oh, okay. that whole deal. So, so one, of the, one of the first zombie movies I ever heard, or I ever watched was, I think it was Return of the Living Dead. It was okay. this 80s movie. It's kind of infamous. A lot of like horror aficionados have seen it. A lot of people that aren't horror aficionados have no idea what it is. But um, in that movie, it is specifically some kind of weird radiated, you know, chemical X formula, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it's spread in every way possible. So through the air, through blood, through... Through bites, through... Okay. And so, and so like... If you are a living, breathing human being that has not been bitten, you are not a zombie. But if you are bitten, you will become a zombie. And if you die, you will become a zombie. Even if you die from not zombie causes. Yes. Because, and this was a weird one, if you burn the zombie, the Mm -hmm. zombie chemical goes into the air and rains back down. And gets into the flesh of all of the dead. It doesn't have to be recently dead. Like, there are some old fucking zombies in that movie. 
and it raises the dead. So don't burn zombies. Only in this one. But that's the lesson is don't burn zombies. Don't. I mean, God, if you live in Return of the Living Dead, just fucking nuke it because there's no way out. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I think that's actually what happened at the very end of that movie was they just they just nuked it. Dropped a bomb. It was like, no. They were like, oh, fuck that. (laughs) Can't. Nope. Nope. Just nope. So, you know, there's different kinds of zombie. That one is a big nope. There are others that are just regular sized nopes. <laughs> a little nope. A little nope. But yeah, I think for the most part, it's spread by bite. Sometimes just, you know, thinking about it, it's spread by like some kind of blood to blood contact. Right. A little bit like the werewolf stuff. Yeah. You know? Well, which... I, think, I think most people are somewhat familiar with the different ways that you could potentially become a monster. Yeah. But that kind of makes sense because rabies, which was something we were talking about with the werewolf stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely seen zombie flicks where the explanation for what the zombification was, was basically just a fast acting rabies, which makes sense. Yeah. Because you kind of lose your mind and then you just become hungry and angry and aggressive Right, that's very fitting. So, like, um, 28 Days Later, uh, Quarantine, or the Spanish version Wreck, which is a shot for shot, but Wreck was first. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, those zombies are very fast and aggressive, and I imagine that's kind of the rabies zombie. Yeah, speed zombies are scary. Speed zombies are so scary. Like, I was never uh, afraid of like the walking slowly zombies. They, no, because like those, as long as you don't do the like classic, like I'm gonna get so scared that I'm gonna freeze right. and stay in place for ten minutes while these guys come and get me. Which like happened in a ton of shitty '70s I and '80s know. zombies flicks. That's like a thing. That's oh so stupid. Oh my god! I think it was literally like, called Zombie or Zombie Two. It was one of the video nasties. But there's a scene where this woman's sitting on a log, just sitting on a log, and a zombie comes at her, and she just sits there and screams for, I swear to God, 30 seconds. Plenty of time to, like, run away. Absolutely. The zombies also, move so goddamn slowly. <laughs> also, the, the classic, like, slow zombies, they seem relatively easy to kill, right? You can bludgeon them. Yeah, you you cut off the head, you shoot him in the head, you somehow remove the brain from the rest of the body. Right, kill the brain, we're good. Kill the brain, you're good. Yeah, no, the slow movie zombies are not that scary. I told I I've told you about how like pretty stand like status quo. I'll have a regular dream, like a non nightmare dream that just happens to be going on during a zombie apocalypse, right? You know, this is ringing some bells. Yes. <laughs> So, so apparently I'm not at all scared of the slow moving zombies, but I will, I, fast zombies, damn. (laughs) 28 days later and wreck scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that's. Night of the Living Dead, eh. (laughs) Cool movie, not scary to me. Would still be very upsetting, you know, if that was your reality, that would be terrifying. But like. Some people are really terrified by zombies and I get it. Not. Not just, in the same way. That's yeah. more like conceptually scary. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to see this because it's like dead bodies walking around. But it's not really scary yeah. in the same way. It doesn't keep me up at night. 
No. No. Surely not. <laughs> so, so here's another thing. Most depictions of zombies portray them as continuing to rot. Yeah. Nasty. It's got to wait them out. Yeah. Reanimation at any point of decay. Now, Gross. this is this is very modern. This is like the any point of rotting is unrealistic, even to the unrealistic folklore that has undead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in modern in modern zombies, most depictions have the continual rotting. Whereas even the people who came up with it are like, mm, that's a bit too far. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of like undead folklore mm-hmm. that involves either um undeath only being possible within the first stages of being dead okay or undeath being like proven because they are not rotting fast enough which kind of okay. goes into the vampire stuff that we'll get into i guess next time i guess we're gonna do vampires next let's go for it yeah let's just <laughs> plan on that let's just you know finish with this monster mayhem driven by hunger <sighs> no brains useless brains uh, oh, and also, they all, you know, this is consistent everywhere, they all have diminished to no brain function. Yes. They're, they're rigid, they're unemotional. They're not coordinated. Well, mm-hmm. except for the 28 Days Later ones, right? Yeah. Like, if you're faster coordinated, I guess, to a point. Well, no, kind, you're still kind of moving sporadically, you know? You're just quick. Yeah. Unless we're talking about, like, there's a small handful of, like, horror comedies, that zombies that are, you know, capable of thought and speaking but those are always horror comedies yeah you know and uh outside of those zombies are incapable of vocalization beyond some groaning noises right which would make sense because like your throat soft tissue mm. yeah well and also like if your brain's not working you can't form words yeah no auditory processing yeah Although, back to Return of the Living Dead, that was definitely a horror comedy, just, you know, more horror. But uh, they definitely had the brains kind of zombies. Right. Because, I mean, you know. Those were fun. And you could talk to the zombie. Oh, really? You could talk to the zombie. Yeah, there was a scene where they, like, interrogated. Basically, it was a woman's head and her shoulders and spinal. And that was it. Nice. And and they interrogated her and she said that eating brains helped to take away the pain of rotting. Damn. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but the lore of Return of the Living Dead really stuck with me. I just really liked the weird way well, that that's, they that's that's a quality I mean, that's a quality plot point. I'll I'll give you that. They it it was a fun lore. Their zombie lore yeah. was fun. But, you know, there's a there's a million different ways for zombie lore to go. So these are just some basic bullet points of, like, generally speaking, this is what we're talking about with a zombie. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the reasons that you have to clarify that is because there's a bunch of different kinds of undead. You know? For instance? Well, I mean, you've got ghosts. Okay. Which is undead, but it's only a spirit. It's not physical. Right. But then you've Nobody. got, like, poltergeists. Which are physical, which... but they're still undead, only only spiritual. I thought poltergeist didn't still didn't have a body, but they, they don't just have a affect... body. But they're capable of interacting with the physical world. Okay, thank you. Yes, yeah. And then you've got like vampires, which are undead, 
And feast on humans. They just only feast on their blood. And they don't rot. And they don't rot. They don't continue to rot. Um, and in some and some myths, well, they anti-age. Or they stay young forever, even if they weren't young when they were turned. That sort of thing. Usually it's they stay whatever age they were turned at. Oh, yeah. Although there's some lore that like... There's a weird, slower aging process, but that kind of mixes the, like, Dracula vampire with the Nosferatu vampire to kind of put them into yeah. the same lore. Yeah. I mean, there's no canon. This is a bunch right. of folklore <laughs> shoved together into one well, of you the can't many expect... undead versions. I don't think you can expect canon from folklore. Yeah. I think that's yeah, not exactly. exactly how that works. Yeah. I mean, like, when we were doing the werewolf episode, I remember being like, look, the werewolf definitions I just got from Wikipedia. Because you know what? It's folklore. Wikipedia knows about as much as wherever else I'm going to look. Right. That's not, you don't necessarily have to have the most reputable source when we're discussing folklore. Because. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of different versions. Now let's get into the history. I love history! Yay! Okay. So, we're going to Greece. Ooh. Well, kind of. We're going to ancient Greek, ancient Greek zombies. Yay! And we're going far back. Like, we could be going as far back as 4500 to 3000 BC. Wow, alright. So, like, ye So, 6,000 years old. ago. Yeah, like, you're on the cusp of history and prehistory. Ooh, how exciting. Yeah. We've always been afraid always been afraid of zombies. Always been afraid of dead people are scary. <laughs> the end. <laughs> that was I was talking to Kelly. I was like, this is so worldwide and so like inherent. And he was like, everybody thinks dead people are scary. And I was like, Okay, fair. <laughs> yep, there you go. Yep. Well that's kind of the same point I was making earlier. Just mm -hmm. Yep, it's a universal thing. It's universal. People are afraid. Yep. So it's kind of cool, but um so the ancient Greeks believed that the dead could come back to life and walk around among the living. And we have proof of this because archaeologists have uncovered these ancient tombs containing a body with a large boulder placed over the chest or head to prevent the dead from coming back and walking around. <sighs> Isn't that fucking nuts? That is. Well, and I just think it's interesting because I know that, you know, Obviously, we've come up with all sorts of crazy myths and religion and all these things, but it does make me wonder what who, what did the person who decided to do that experience like? Why did who, <laughs> something tangible had to happen to them in order for them to be like, "No, fuck this guy. I don't trust that he's dead. I'm putting a boulder here." Like, it's interesting. I'm not I'm not always sure what... So, so with the Greeks, we're, we're going to get a little into their beliefs, but I, it's hard to know because this is real ancient. Right. But, like, the Greeks pl placed a lot of faith in the Moirai, or the fates. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, they believed that these fates knew exactly what things were, and it was all predestined, and they knew mm -hmm. how things were supposed to go. And they believed that sometimes a person died before they were meant to. And when that happened, their body would rise again and wander the earth until the time they were actually meant to die. 
So okay. it could be something as simple as they died young. Right. So that said, like, there's a lot of other lore that, you know, mean people or greedy people or, you know, like it was a, it wasn't just a careful what you wish for metaphor. It was also mm-hmm. like a don't be a bad person in life metaphor. Right. And so that could also be an influence. It's like, this guy was a fucking shit. I'm putting a boulder on him. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make sure. Don't trust him. Yeah. But these, so these undead, the ancient Greek undead, were particularly similar to the European revenant. I love that word. It is a good word. It's, it's a good word. <laughs> so, so the revenant actually comes from the old French meaning the returned. Perfect. Which is, which is just, mm, mwah, mwah. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and the revenants are they're similar but they are technically different from zombies in that they will their bodies back to life it's more oh. autonomous you know okay yeah so so revenants are still they're creatures that were they, they were they were once wicked spirits that came back from the dead to finish some business they felt was still left undone so a revenant is still bad, but it's of their own will, not wanting, to, not accepting being dead. Just like, yeah. nope, I got shit to do. Yeah, it's basically, you know, it is a it is a single entity willing itself back to life, as opposed okay. to, you know, when you think of zombies, you think of hordes, or yeah. or you think of like you let you lose total control. Yes, I definitely in some. I mean, depending on the type of zombie, you're right. Like. I'll either think of hor- like sort of viral infection hordes losing losing all control, or I'll think of like voodoo priest zombie army. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yeah. using these people to achieve my own ends. Yep, yep. And and in that way, revenants are are technically different from the zombies. They've got that whole like undead body. Like the similarity in the creature is very is very there, but in the like meaning and purpose very different gotcha so that kind of brings me to our next example which is the norse draugr 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 which (laughs) don't judge me but it's a villain or a or a monster in skyrim and also a real thing or just a thing from Skyrim? It's not just a thing from Skyrim. It's a it's an actually like existing in in ancient Norse lore. Oh, okay. But I won't judge you then. Yeah, but like I was researching this and I was like, "Oh, cool. It's relevant here." It's that so thing. basically the the Draugr are a kind of Norse revenant. Okay. So they're undead who continue to live in their graves, which, you know, is kind of their thing upsetting mm-hmm. and they so they don't guard, leave they guard their treasures i don't understand what the point of guarding your treasure is if you're not going to get out of your tomb with it well i don't know either <laughs> you're wrong draggers so so the dragger they continue to rot so their appearance is a lot like that of a modern zombie mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons i wanted to you know bring these guys up they are, quote, swollen, blackened, and generally hideous to look at. As a long dead body would dead be. Dead body. Yep. So they also possess superhuman strength. And this one's a weird one, but it's it's relevant. Well, it's not relevant. It's, a, it's just a weird one that comes up in their stories a lot. They have the ability to become physically larger. That's cool. 
that's just like what the fuck if they need to if like someone's breaking into their tomb and stealing their treasure they, they can go supersize physically larger yep they also have like a bunch of other super fucking weird like sorcery level shit that is just okay so it's a different it's a different thing <laughs> okay different thing gotcha and their victims are people who have em- entered their tombs as well as people who wronged them during life and just any unlucky person or animal it doesn't even have to be a person that happens upon their tomb or gets too close to their grave huh like they are they are havoc wreaking little motherfuckers <laughs> Yeah, apparently. Can't even go to the cemetery. And they they kill sometimes simply by crushing their victims in their enlarged form. As well as by eating their victims. Oh. Or by simply driving them mad to death. That's upsetting. Yeah. They're, they're pretty fucking metal. <laughs> now, <laughs> a mean or greedy person can become a draugr. As well as just those folks who weren't particularly popular. So if you're unliked. Which is like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, you don't even have to be a bad person. Just like, if nobody in the village really wants to be your buddy, then like... Apparently. Apparently. It's kind of got that, like, greedy miser hoarding my treasure thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Which kind of might be part of the, the moral of the story. Right, if you're not community-oriented, then fuck you. Yeah, apparently. But apparently any body may become a draugr if it was found upright as opposed to horizontal. So if it was found sitting... Okay, so if when they died... it may become a draugr. Because, you know, it wasn't just laying there being peacefully resting. Right, okay. Yeah. Now there's some there's some pretty odd prevention techniques like placing open scissors on the chest of the recently deceased and hiding straw and twigs in their clothes. Okay. I have a hundred percent no clue why those would even be considered a yeah. thing. Okay. Just one of those weird. Okay. But much more practical is having their toes tied together. So they trip. Yeah. Or having nails driven into the bottom of their feet, thus making Ugh. walking impossible. Okay. Keeps them from getting up and walking around. I guess it would. <laughs> but, so, to big nerd this, bring it back to Skyrim. Skyrim is basically this, like, very, very Norse-centric Elder Scrolls game. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're, like, raiding a tomb, literally fucking looting it for treasure, there's one of the enemies is the Draugr, which makes sense, right. because of Norse course. fucking zombies. Yeah, that's their whole deal, is stay out of my tomb. Yeah. I just thought that was really cool when I was doing this research. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Nerd. I'm such a nerd. All right, so let's get right the fuck out of Europe. We're going to Arabic ghouls. Ooh. So. That's exciting. Yeah. So this is actually kind of interesting because it's one of those cultures shoved together things. Okay. So so we could be going as far back as the BCE here. Okay. And 
we could be getting folklore from the Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, and Indian regions. Okay. So basically, from the 8th to 10th centuries, mm-hmm. Arabic scholars collected Bedouin folklore involving ghouls. And Bedouin... They're the nomadic Arabic people okay, who yeah. wandered that whole area. Mm-hmm. And that's why we could be going all the way back to the BCE is because they interacted with Mesopotamia a lot. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So so we're getting pretty pretty ancient, but not like ancient Greek ancient. Right. And then, you know, following all the way up to, I mean, basically the creation of Islam. Cool. So... In these original texts, in the in the texts that were collected by the Arabic scholars, ghouls were trickster demons who were ravenous flesh eaters who would kidnap their victims or lure men in the guise of a beautiful woman. Mm. So so they ate flesh, they did, but it wasn't of dead people. And after French translation by Antoine Galan Galan? Galan. <laughs> Just don't pronounce any of the letters. Um, yeah, no, he, no hard no hard consonants, really. No hard consonants. So he trans translated 1001 Nights, which a lot of people know as, I think, 40 Thieves. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I yeah. don't... I feel like there might be another title for that, but yeah, we don't need to get I hung up on it. that. It's in my head, but it's gone. So so he so this French translator Antoine Galland he translated 1001 nights mm-hmm. and he took some liberties okay and in this translation ghouls become grave robbers who eat the flesh of the already dead okay but that and was not the original text that was not the original text so in modern understanding of Arabic ghouls, they're flesh-eating undead creatures who hang around in graveyards. Mm-hmm. But in the original text, they're actually these trickster demons that eat the flesh of the living, not the flesh right. of the dead. That's a lot more scary. Right? Who gives a fuck if the undead is eating the also dead? Yeah, like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I care yeah. if the undead is killing me. <laughs> right. So... So to get into kind of Islam, which is, which is just neat. I'm going to try to be respectful, but like, you know how I don't know anything about Christianity. I also don't know anything about Islam. Sorry. Yeah, well. (laughs) But the, the Quran itself has no mention of ghouls. Okay. Their existence or non-existence, you know. Not a thing. But other writings attributed to the life of Muhammad, who Mm -hmm. is the prophet, yeah. indicated conflicting accounts on the existence of ghouls. In some stories, there were no such thing, and in others, uh, he taught about how to banish ghouls. Interesting. Which is kind of... So this of, is not... These are not writings by Muhammad, but these are writings about his lifetime? About his by, life, yeah. By people who are almost like the books of the Bible, where it's like... Where it's like not, people that were Not written by... Yeah. 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 Okay. So I don't know how canon these particular stories are to right. You know, Muslim faith. Yeah, to but, what Muslims actually believe. Yeah. But some scholars would probably be interested in in reading these things and attributing them to Muhammad's life. 
Mm-hmm. And basically, a more middle ground story came from one of his companions, one of his known friends, indicating that ghouls existed pre-Islam, mm-hmm. but Allah no longer allowed their existence. Why? Because God is good. Because God is good, and the people found the true religion, so no more ghouls for you. Haha. Yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, you know. Now, so Arabic cool ghouls, actual canon, although we're talking about folklore, so, but actual canon, do not eat the flesh of the dead. Right. However, Asian ghouls were totally down to eat the flesh of the dead. Ew. Surprising no one because Asian fairies are fucking terrifying. <laughs> Okay. So I didn't do a ton of research into like Asian fairies, but like that's mostly because it doesn't really influence our modern understanding of zombies. Okay. But Right, the fact that you refer to them as fairies is confusing to me. Oh, sorry. My understanding of fairy is a folklore that enough people believe that it becomes true in the culture. Okay. Okay. So you're using it more of a as a cultural term than a literal a term, term, like a small thing with wings. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So you know you have a tendency to have like little dead girls. You know, like yeah. the the Japanese horror trope. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a thing in at least from my understanding in Japanese and Chinese lore. Really? Okay. Yeah. Now I know it's this not just a Chinese thing. family. I don't know of like Vietnamese lore and Korean lore. Like I. I don't know every yeah. Asian fairy, but but I am fully aware that there are some creepy fucking like Asian ghouls that are all about eating the flesh of the dead. So one of the reasons that quick history on ghoul is important is because, you know, undead. Mm-hmm. But also one of the cool things is in George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, which is considered the modern zombie flick, like the uh-huh. thing that modernized zombies... He doesn't call the creatures zombies. He calls them ghouls. Oh. That is important. So we're going to get into Romero later, but for now, keep that in your head. I got it. I got it. In the dome. Also, 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 the Bibble. Because we're getting (laughs) religious today. Yep. (laughs) In Ezekiel 37... The Valley of the Dry Bones. Yeah, what is that? So so God takes Ezekiel to the Valley of the Dry Bones, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is a valley full of dry human bones. Cool. Right? And then God says, Ezekiel, prophecy to the bones that they will come back to the life. And he does so. And the bones grow tendons and flesh and skin. Like they rattle and then they like fucking right oh and then he prophesizes that that they will breathe again and they are brought back to life and stand up as a vast army holy shit so that so i i mean i know nothing from the bible why did ezekiel need an undead army well okay so this is one of those things that's gonna be like all over the place because like mm-hmm. there's christian literalists and then there's christian like metaphor folks and so the christian literalists are probably like yeah ezekiel needed an undead army but your average like 
Christian that thinks that dinosaurs were real and and Satan didn't plant dinosaur bones to trick you think that this is just a metaphor for like what? a bunch of the stories in the Bible. So this is supposed to be a metaphor for the reuniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. And supposedly, when the 12 tribes of Israel are reunited, that's a big sign for the coming end of days. Okay. And a lot of biblical discussion of the end of days or the end of times, the dead are resurrected. Right. You know, we kind of talked about this with our revelations discussion in mm -hmm. the Waco story. Yeah. So basically you mix like this end of days conversation and like the dead being resurrected that may have a big impact on why zombies are associated with full scale apocalypses. Right. Cause the dead rise from the grave. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, other monster flicks, even like Godzilla, which is a giant, giant country ruining monster mm -hmm. is not full scale world apocalypse. Right. But zombies, even though sometimes they literally do start with the one like mm -hmm. ground zero breakout that spreads always end up being an apocalypse. apocalypse. Right. Which makes sense both like from a theological perspective and from if, if it's a virus or something that's transmittable, mm -hmm. right? Like that's an yeah. outbreak. That's a plague. So whether or not it's written from like a biblical perspective of like end of days, or if it's just a, here's a zombie myth, this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Zombies are kind of the monster that's most likely to, I mean, a plague is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. There's no vaccine for zombies. So there is no zombie vaccine. You know, of all of the monsters that could lead to an apocalyptic uh, world end. Eh, zombies are a pretty good choice. Yeah. Yeah. For real. I mean, like, Vampires are kind of self-containing because they're smart. So, yeah. you know, they'll accidentally turn one or two people who will accidentally turn one or two people. But you're not going to get, like, just biting and then biting and then biting. Right, it's not and cascading and, and just, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then kind of similar with werewolves, except for they'll accidentally turn one person and kill the other. <laughs> yeah, it's like a... And then uh, there's basically uh, no other monster that spreads. Right. So yeah, zombies, apocalypse, Ooh, zombies. It's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I I just thought that was really interesting because we kind of have this like based in our history, our our cultural history of mm -hmm. oh maybe this is why it's always apocalyptic. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. So, are you ready to go back to Haiti? In yes, West Africa? take me to Haiti. Yay! I'm into it. We're finally doing not white people stuff. Yay! Yay! I mean, you know, Asia's not white, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is this is a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of where we actually get our concept of the zombie. Mm -hmm. So it originates in West Africa and was brought with the people to Haiti on slave ships in the 17th century. Yep. So it, it is tough. It is tough. This is actually basically where we get tough. <laughs> so so it does have voodoo origins aplenty, which is really mm -hmm. neat. There's, there's this belief that the soul and the body are connected, but that death is this time where the soul may, it doesn't have to be, but it may be temporarily separated from the body. Okay. 
Which, you know, I guess kind of makes sense. It's that weird, like, vulnerable period. Yeah. But this is also, you know, kind of the way, like, blues was created in America from the suffering of slavery. Mm-hmm. This is rooted in the tremendous suffering of slavery. Right. They already had the, the cultural myths to sort of start mm-hmm. with, and then it gets expanded upon by their own suffering. Yeah. Okay. So, so slavery obviously was suffering. The, the work was grueling and difficult, and the people had a complete lack of control. They were taken from their homeland. Uh, yeah, no autonomy. Saying, no not choice. even just the work, but just the just the trauma of just the everything All being captured and sold and da da da. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, basically, it was... you have no control, and yeah. everything is awful. So. Many slaves, many Haitian slaves, hoped that in death their spirits could escape back to Africa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, partially because of that, partially because of just how awful things were, suicide was common. Mm-hmm. And, you know, much like a lot of cultures, suicide was frowned upon. You know how in, like, like a Catholic, Catholic and, and other Christian beliefs, like, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. Right, because you've committed a mortal sin because you've killed somebody. Right. So, in this culture, the spiritual penalty for suicide was an internal hell in slavery. Oh, no. Which is extra fucked up because basically right. killing yourself to escape slavery means that you go yeah, to slavery hell is just continuing to live <sighs> the way you are living but forever mm. which just upsets me so bad i mean slavery should upset you but like just that concept of like the worst thing i can think of is the thing that i'm currently living right is just it's just tragic That's awful. So, so fucking tragic it's also a pretty effective theology if you want to prevent people from killing themselves. True. Like, it just it that just hurt me to the core, you know. The the fact the fact that the worst thing they could think of mm-hmm. was their own life. Mm-hmm. That's really awful. That's just. I mean, there was really awful, awful shit happening though. There it was like, no it, it like I don't disagree with that outcome. I just like even just that. even just voluntarily taking a voyage like that on a ship. Oh, right yeah. from oh God, from West never. Africa to to uh, South America, especially at that time with how things were. No way. Just even if you were doing it voluntarily, not as a slave, not as anything like that, that would be terrifying. Be terrifying and grueling no and awful and a horrible experience. Like I could see how somebody would just like, again voluntarily feel like that was hell. <laughs> yeah, but you Ugh. mix that with just everything else, and like obviously slaves were treated poorly like it wasn't just that they were kidnapped people that were well, forced to work like yeah also their life was miserable right. made miserable so anyway this belief was the zombie mm-hmm. this this life of slavery this monotonous working without thought without control over your actions this to be a zombie was to be a slave I don't like that. It's very sad. It makes zombies a lot less fun and just a lot more of like a <laughs> extended metaphor for slavery, which is sad. It is. I mean, horror is political. Right. As we discussed, I think it was one of our very first 
in one Things of our very that, first episodes yeah, is talking yeah. about how like horror is inherently political. Horror is just inherently so you political. know. <laughs> and honestly, when we started this podcast, I knew I wanted to do a thing on zombies because zombies are political. They were basically mm-hmm. the first monster I learned to love because of politics. <laughs> which right. is the stupidest, nerdiest thing, but what are you going to do? Yeah, it's it's the truth. I mean, whatever. Can't hide from yeah. the truth. So, so voodoo itself is obviously West African. Mm-hmm. And through, you know, slave ships, through shipping these believers... It was transported to Haiti and the Caribbean and South America and the American South. So that's how you get kind of all of these beliefs kind of transferred from there to here. Mm-hmm. Now let's get into it. Now let's get into the beliefs. Yay! Th- this, we're going to get a little back into some fun. <laughs> it's tragic, but it's fun. Fun tragic. God, that's awful. So is everything. Whatever. <laughs> So, zombie powder is what's believed to be the zombie creating thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's made by evil voodoo priests. So it's not just voodoo priests. But specifically evil it's voodoo priests. evil voodoo priests. And it's a secret mixture of fish, shells, bones, herbs, etc., right? Hallucinogenic compounds. All sorts of compounds. We'll get into that later. We're okay. going to do a little bit of science. Yay. Science. So, so quick voodoo vocabulary. A, I believe it's called a haungan. It might be an ongan or... It's H-O-U-N-G-A-N. Haungan? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm think it depends sure how upon... how French ent- it is versus how African right, it is. Right, I was going to say it depends upon entirely like what... Yeah. Language or what? Or Spanish it is. I don't know. Whose language pronunciation rules we're supposed to be using for that word? Don't know. So, Haungan is a voodoo priest, and a Bokor is an evil voodoo priest. Bokor. And those are the ones who create the zombies. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so let's get into. So, there's this woman, Zora Neale Hurston. So, quick quick history on her. Zora Neale Hurston. She was an influential African-American writer during the Harlem Renaissance. Cool. So, boss-ass bitch just by existing in the way she did. Her most famous novel was Their Eyes Were Watching God, mm-hmm. which you might recognize. So, she also did some anthropology work in Haiti and Jamaica. Particularly involving voodoo. Ooh. So she wrote about voodoo lore and tradition in her book, Tell My Horse. In particular, she wrote about the zombie. And I was actually able to, like, read that whole thing by her. Mm-hmm. So so this is all from Zora Neale Hurston. Okay, great. Which is really cool because it feels very primary source, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tell My Horse. We're going to get into all sorts of zombie stuff from literally this boss-ass lady. So there's three reasons a zombie is made. One, somebody needed a body to be turned into a beast of burden. So they took a body. Two, a person is reduced to a beast of burden as an act of revenge. A live person is reduced to a beast of burden. Okay. Yeah. 
or three, the person was given as a sacrifice in the Ba Mound ceremony and pledge. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But basically, a person can be used as a sacrifice. Okay. And then turned into a zombie. So two possible reasons the victim is chosen. First reason, any corpse not too old to work. So just a dead body of somebody that's not an old person. Right. Okay. Or two, the Bokor chose the victims before they die because they're the ones that bring about their death. Real, real basic, you know, good old fashioned murder. (laughs) Except for not because zombie. Yeah, not old fashioned at all. It gets a little when you get into undead. (laughs) So, so what happens? A Bokor mounts a horse backwards and rides to the victim's house. Then he puts his lips to a crack in the door and sucks the soul out of the victim. Dang. Bokor's scary. Bokors are definitely scary. If you, I mean, you know, this is in the 30s, so it's probably not nearly as prevalent now, but... You know, if you go to the, if you go to Haiti in the 30s and you're talking to people who believe in voodoo, they all fucking believe in zombies. They're all like, oh, don't fucking mess with that shit. You're going to end up on the wrong side of things and you won't be able to get out. Like, it's full on, like, scary, ooh, nah Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure in modern times you have a lot fewer people that believe in zombies. But, like, you know, this was right. written in the 30s. This was published in, like, 1936, 1938. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, everybody who believed in the voodoo religion was like, do not fuck with that. You're going to call upon some fucking zombies. You know, the way you're talking to, like, a hardcore Catholic, you're like, I will not fuck with that Ouija board because we will summon a demon into this house. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. same, same diff. <laughs> so, yeah, Boko are fucking crazy. Scary as shit. So they suck the soul out through the door. The victim immediately falls ill. And it starts with a headache, and then they're dead within hours. And so this is a really common theme in, like, the stories of people who they believe were zombies, mm-hmm. is they got sick, and they died real fast. Just a quick okay. sickness. So kind of like the upright in the uh, Norse yeah, mythology. Yeah, yeah. It's just okay. one of those, like, oh, this seems a little sketch. Right. Yeah. So... The Bokor will attend the funeral, but, you know, since they don't actually, like, know the family, they'll attend from a distance. Mm-hmm. And they'll return at midnight for the body. Yeah, Bokor. Naughty Bokor. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the Bokor takes the victim's soul in hand and enters the tomb and calls his name. And the victim responds by lifting his head. And the Bokor briefly lets the soul under the victim's nose. I kind of feel like it's like putting bacon under somebody's nose. I'm tempting him like you want your <laughs> like, soul back. I got this soul. Right. I got this soul. And then he chains the he chains the victim's wrists and hits him over the head further to wake him up. Okay. <laughs> it's like rude. That's a little counterintuitive. Usually you don't crack somebody in the dome if you want them to be more alert. But you know. I feel like maybe it's like a slapping him awake thing, only it's more like a bonk on the head. Yeah. <laughs> then the victim is removed and the tomb is closed as if they had never been there. Ooh. Ooh. So 
The victim will be taken to the Honfor, which is the name for a voodoo temple. See, like, the Hongen. Okay. Honfor. Yes, yes. But first, the victim is taken past his old house. For why? It's a ceremony that causes him to forget. Hmm. So basically, they have to take him past his house so that he will forget his house. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And at the Hanfor, the victim is given a drop of liquid, some secret formula, which obviously she didn't become privy to because don't fucking mess with that shit. You'll end up on the wrong side of yada yada. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they're given a drop of some secret formula, which finally completes the transformation into a zombie. Okay. And he will stay like this without consciousness or the ability to speak unless he is given salt. Which in some cases can enable the victim to write down the name of the man who gave him to the Loa. So the Loa is a voodoo god or spirit. Mm -hmm. And going back to the man who gave him, basically... Is that the Bokor? No, no, no. So one of... So I said that there were three three reasons a zombie is made. They yeah. need a body. They turn somebody into a zombie as a form of revenge. Or the person is given as a sacrifice. Oh, right. Okay. So basically what'll happen is somebody wants to make a deal. It's it's like a deal with the devil, only it's a deal with a evil voodoo priest, right? And his like loa spirit. Yeah. That's kind of badass. Yeah. I mean, it, it is It is really cool. It's just like... Oh, I mean, cool. like, talking you know? about it objectively is like, again, as plot devices, that's super dope. It's super cool. Yeah, no. And like, you can tell why like a bunch and, of horror was based on this because it's also, fucking cool. I'm pretty sure, if what I remember from watching with the kids at work, the new uh, Princess and the Pea that takes place... Or I'm sorry, uh, Princess and... Frog... The Frog Prince? The frog. Yeah. Fr- Fro- Princess frog and Prince. Frog. No, no. Frog Prince. Frog Prince. Anyway, whatever, something like that that takes place in Louisiana. That's mm-hmm. that's it, it, they do kind of follow that. There's the voodoo priest, and then he has like a uh, evil spirit, like demigod on his side, and he takes yeah. the soul, and like all all of these things are um, as you list the the elements of it. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened, and that happened. Like those are all <laughs> present in a children's yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty accurate yeah, as so, far as the zombie yeah. voodoo priest stuff goes. Mm-hmm. So. And, and I mean, this is the religion that we're talking about, is that yeah. Louisiana voodoo, only it's Haitian. Yeah. But it's still, you know, transferred slaves that brought right. their Right, I'm sure it's, yeah, there, so there's going to be some strong know, similarities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically, some dude wants to make a deal, usually for like money, profit, wealth. Money, power, wealth, yeah. Power, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in exchange... He has to give people to the voodoo priest. Right. As a sacrifice. You need to watch the you need to watch the the Frog Prince, the new one. I mean I this. have. I just haven't seen it in a while. Do it. Do it. It's a good it's a good <laughs> Disney that will it is. Pat, it you is feel good, good for zombies. Anyway, sorry. So so that's you know, that's kind of the whole how how zombies are made. Yeah. Now, preventative measures. And this is this is kind of an interesting thing. Hurston made this 
made this point that if embalming was common in Haiti, Mm -hmm. this wouldn't be an issue. Really? But embalming's not customary in 1930s Haiti. So what some families will do is they will guard their dead for 36 hours. Mm -hmm. So apparently you can't revive after, after 36 hours. Okay. Some families will slice open the dead bodies. So inflicting mortal wounds on their dead, making it so that they can't be brought back to life. Okay. So that kind of gets into the, like, the unrealisticness of the unrealistic stories. Uh Uh-huh. That I was talking about earlier. Basically, the dead bodies that are brought back as zombies have to be capable of living. Right. Which is kind of really interesting. That makes sense, though. Like... It has to be a functional body because it's a body without a soul. Yeah. If you have a belief in real zombies, Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the reasons that zombies can't work is because whatever caused them to be dead is the thing that made them be dead. Right. But apparently, you know, let's say you can have zombies. Well... They can't be dead. (laughs) They can't be so dead that they're That they're ineffective as mobile entities. mm -hmm. So I just thought that was really cool. Also, some families will poison the dead. Oh, interesting. So so they'll administer poison. Like, they'll they'll put a long hypodermic needle into the heart to administer poison. Crazy. Yeah, which is just, which is just really cool. Like, kill your dad. (laughs) Kill your dad. (laughs) Kill your dad. Then there's a couple of stories of, of real zombies, you know, where did they come from? So, so how are zombies freed, right? Uh Uh-huh. So sometimes when a Bokor dies and his widow wants nothing to do with his collection of walking dead, she will release them. Great. And other times, a Bokor is converted or, you know, has a change of heart and no longer wants to be an evil person. And he will release them himself. Okay. But either way, this is done covertly as to not bring upon the wrath of the community. Okay, that makes sense. You know, basically, not only do any other bokor priests that are involved not want you to be doing that shit but also the community that's literally terrified of you making zombies finds out that you made zombies and they're like no it's done it's done on the hush hush yes that makes sense so now let's get into our first case yes felicia felix mentor and this is from This is still from Tell My Horse. Mm Mm-hmm. So Felicia Felix Mentor was a wife and mother, and together with her husband, she ran a grocery. And in 1907, she became quickly ill and died and was buried. Mm Mm-hmm. With with records to show. Okay. Like, there are death records of her death and burial. Her husband eventually remarried and her son grew into a man. 
And in October 1936, she died in 1907. Mm -hmm. In October 1936, she showed up at the farm where her father had lived. What? And the tenants tried to shoo her away, but eventually the, the boss was called on and he recognized her as his sister. The very same woman who he'd buried and mourned 29 years earlier. What? Did she look the same? Like... She looked 30 years aged. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Now, she was in such a terrible state that she was immediately sent to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And her husband reluctantly he he initially didn't agree but then like a bunch of people were able to like influence him Mm -hmm. was summoned to the hospital and verified her identity as his late wife holy shit so she was verified by at least two people as this woman who had died in 1907 now in november so a month later 1936 Mm-hmm. Zora Neale Hurston was informed of the woman and given permission to investigate herself at the hospital where Felicia was staying. Cool. And she described the woman as defensive and unresponsive beyond behaving in a way that she expected violence and abuse. Wow. So she was basically afraid of everything and otherwise would not respond. She she describes the broken noises in the woman's throat. Mm-hmm. And when she was able to get a look at her face, she appeared blank-faced with dead eyes, and her eyelids were whitened as if they had been burned with acid. And that's actually our first picture. If you look, this woman has these white eyelids. I can't really make it out in the shadow. It's hard for me you to see. You can barely tell. But if you're looking real close at the eyes, they're a different skin color than the rest of her skin. I can see it a little bit in the left eye. Yeah. Interesting. So I feel like this is a good time. I've been wondering about bringing this up. But, you know, I I, I love me some just shitty procedural dramas. And I've seen more than one where, like, you know, they end up in like Louisiana in the South and the murderer turns out to be somebody who's like still practicing voodoo and like poisons people with the voodoo powder or with the zombie powder Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make them dead. It just like has real world neurological effects that make you behave as though you're a zombie forever. And that Mm -hmm. makes me, that's exactly what I'm thinking about with her. I'm like, well, what if, like, someone just poisoned her with some really, really bad nerve agent and so they thought she was dead and then she had to, you know, dig her way out of her shallow grave and live the rest of her life with that trauma and actual brain damage? Well, so when you get into the kind of the, the science, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. of, of zombies... And, and, and these zombies in particular, there's a bunch of stuff that I kind of left out just for time reasons. But when you get into this zombie studies, yeah, yeah, the, the, the poison wouldn't kill you. It would just 
cause zombie-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, basically you're looking at this from a spiritual versus science perspective. Mm-hmm. The more spiritual person believes that this is magic and sorcery, and the scientific perspective says, like, maybe this is a neurotoxin. And yeah. we'll definitely get into that. But also, you know, a lot of the, the people that question this, you know, they, they question maybe this is just an, a mental illness issue. But that said, this woman was gone for 30 years and then came back like this. She probably was, at the very least, kidnapped, abused, forced to work. Right, any number of terrible things could have happened to her. And then, you know, when she finally escaped, this is what she was like after 30 years of whatever the fuck it was that she was going through. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, whatever whatever the reason, whether it's, you know, mental defect due to neurotoxin or due to abuse, like, the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, if you are presumed dead and then are missing for 30 years, that's plenty of time and possibility for bad shit to happen to you. Yeah. That could, like, permanently affect your brain and how you respond and communicate with the world. <laughs> totally. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. And so, like, the what if it's mental illness makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But that said, okay, yeah, of course, there's no such thing as somebody who is fully, 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 fully dead being brought back into some kind of undead. Mm -hmm. But it's possible that somebody was poisoned and abused into this state. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, that really seems like the logical explanation. And just because it's more scientific than spiritual doesn't make it any less terrifying. No, not in the least. That's actually just as if not more terrifying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I've got two more true stories. Okay. So Francine Ilias was a 30-year-old woman who worked in a market stall in her small Haitian town of Ennery. Mm-hmm. In 1976, she came down with some kind of digestive problems, died shortly after, buried, mourned. Three years later, a woman who had worked with Francine in the market recognized a pale, thin, naked woman disoriented and squatting by her old stall. Hmm. <sighs> Her mother was convinced that this was Francine and believed that this was a case of zombification. She demanded to have Francine's grave exhumed. Mm-hmm. When her coffin was pulled out, they found it to be full of rocks. What the fuck? Like, these stories are, like, terrifying. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, okay, not, I don't believe in the, the, metaphysical element of zombies but if you exist in a culture where people believe that it does kind of open the door for real life monsters and bad people to use that as a way to do terrible shit Mm -hmm. right it's a good vehicle it's a good way to hide in plain sight like yeah this is kind of the the stuff where urban legends are formed where you don't know how much is real Mm -hmm. and how much is the the way you finish your campfire story yeah because you know you pull out her coffin and inside it was full of rocks is literally the way that you finish the campfire story yes oh definitely 
But, I mean, it was reported, and 1976 isn't that long ago. Mm-mm. Like, this could be a real story. And that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Give me more. Give now, me more. Okay, I've got one more, and this is even more crazy. Because that woman was gone for three years, right? Yeah. Clairvius Narcisse died in Albert Schweitzer Hospital in Deschapelle, Haiti, on May 2nd, 1962. Two doctors confirmed his death, and his sister Angelina signed his death certificate after confirming his identity. Then his family buried and mourned him. In 1980, he returned, walking up to his sister Angelina in a marketplace in the village. His family recognized him, and he answered questions about his life and family and childhood that even close friends wouldn't have known. Uh, okay. Over 200 friends and family confirmed his identity. Holy shit. So... If this was a case of mistaken identity or fraud, well, he fucking earned it. Yeah. <laughs> Convinced 200. I don't even know 200 people. I don't even think there are right? 200 people who could identify me. <laughs> so he said he remembered everything during his death and burial. But he was physically unable to move. He remembered them declaring him dead. He remembered his family crying. He remembered the sheet being pulled over his face. He even pointed out a scar on his head that he claimed he received from one of the coffin nails. Damn. Now, he said after he was put in the ground, he was pulled out and brought back to life by a bokor. Then he was made to work on a sugar plantation with other zombies. Fuck. (laughs) They gave him a daily dose of some unknown substance which kept him and the others in their state of wakened helplessness. Mm. Now, he somehow managed to escape his slavery two years later, but he decided not to return until he heard his brother had died. Apparently, his brother had had him poisoned over a property dispute. Okay, so he thinks his brother is the reason he died in the first place. Yeah. So, so this story is pretty weird. Prompted some scientists to go and check it out. So this ethnobotanist and anthropologist, Dr. Wade David from Harvard, went down to Haiti to investigate. And they literally did the zombie project. Great. That was the fucking name of it. So here's what Dr. Davis found. So Borkor, a voodoo sorcerer, they would create zombie powders. He got a hold of a few samples. I think it was eight. Most samples contained a handful of common ingredients. Pufferfish, one of one or more of any species. Mm-hmm. Pufferfish have a have a toxin called tetradoxin. Tetradoxin can cause paralysis and death. You know, you've heard about pufferfish mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how you have to be careful when eating them blah blah blah. Yeah. With the victims of the poisoning being aware of what's happening around them all the way up until death. Oh. Doctors have found cases of people poisoned by tetradoxins becoming paralyzed to the point of appearing dead, then making a full recovery. That sounds a lot like 
zombification to me. Like what these stories are? Mm-hmm. Now, they also contained marine toad, uh, Bufo marinus, or cane toad. Mm-hmm. This toad has poison glands in their skin, which release neurotoxins, specifically bufagen, which is a toxic steroid that affects the heart, similar to foxglove. Oh, digitalis. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so this specific toxin affects the heart. And I believe that it can slow down the heart, which again would give you a appearance of dead. Right. The sweaty heartbeat, like, can be hard to find your own heartbeat sometimes, alone a weak one on somebody who's paralyzed. Yeah. It also contained hyalotree fog, osteopilus dominicensis. Good job. I sucked that one up real hard. (laughs) This is the Hispaniolan common tree frog. Okay. Their skin secretes a substance that irritates human skin, but is not life-threatening. Okay. Also contained is human remains. Yeah. And then I just typed in oh. face. <laughs> <laughs> so I have pictures of the animals the, in question. The animals. So I kind of love the cane toad because he always looks fucking pissed. Yeah. I kind so of the cane toad is the, the largest toad, toad yes. in the world. Okay. And every picture I found, he looks like he just lost a poker game. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and then the tree flo- frog, all of the pictures, they look like they just won the poker game. Like, hey, hey. <laughs> yes, I see this. I just really like that. <laughs> so... A lot of the powders also contained other irritants, mm-hmm. including, like, ground-up glass. Okay. So what Dr. Davis theorized is that the powder was applied to the skin, allowing the irritants to break open the skin, giving way for the toxin to cause paralysis to the victim. That makes sense. So let's get into tetradoxin a little. Yes. This is where we get sciency. Yay! So tetradoxin is a neurotoxin named after... Tetraodontiforms. Tetraodontiforms. That was a good way of saying that. I mm-hmm. did a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's an order of fish. Okay. Many of which contain this toxin. Found in pufferfish, also blue-ringed octopus, uh, several other deadly aquatic life. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the things that you're like, don't fuck with that. That will kill the shit out of you. Yeah. So this toxin is actually created by a bacteria that either infects or lives symbiotically with their aquatic host. Okay. Which is pretty neat. So what tetradoxin does, it's a sodium channel blocker. And then I wrote, oh my God, salt. Oh my God, salt. I know, I was thinking that too, yeah. One of the fucking You have to give them salt. salt. What? I love it. I love it so much. I just think that like this is all like, oh my God, maybe this is actually what it is. I really love when- come together right i really love when mythology and science line up I love it's so it. exciting I love it's so it. satisfying I love so so tetradoxin is a sodium channel blocker which it basically it blocks the passage of sodium ions into the neuron mm-hmm. which prevents the nervous system from firing which prevents it from transporting messages right which makes it impossible for muscles to flex right that makes total sense per- paralyzes you but it doesn't in any way cause unconsciousness 
Right. Ooh, that's so sketchy. Oh my god, this is exactly what it is. <laughs> it's tetradoxin. Mm-hmm. Because, of course you have access to pufferfish in Haiti. Well, and cane didn't... Oh, cane toads don't do that too, but yeah. Cane toads have a different toxin that causes... It's it's not quite as extreme as the tetradoxin, but yeah. it has like similar like oh this is kind of sketchy maybe right. I think something to aren't pufferfish super common like I know that when I went I know I know Mexico where I was is on the complete other side of that continent like I was on the west coast of Mexico which is very far away mm-hmm. from Haiti but I remember finding a pufferfish on the beach there on more than one occasion oh god <laughs> and I was like hmm it was all Don't sad need that. yep <laughs> but. I mean, yeah, no, they definitely had plenty of, act- like, honestly, all of the ingredients were actually regionally available, tremendously easy to find, but basically easy to find. Well, and if especially you if you think about the, you know, the slave trade and the ongoing, just the ongoing economy, even in more mm-hmm. modern times of those areas, it's going to be like going out into the ocean and trading and... Yeah, yeah, cane toads no, and easy, cane toads easy. and puffer fish. Yeah, okay, great. You can totally yeah, get that easy, there. Easy, yeah, all definitely present. So essentially, okay, to quote the Princess Bride, mm-hmm. a Haitian zombie is somebody who is mostly dead, but not somebody who is dead dead. Not somebody who is dead dead. <laughs> mostly dead, not all dead. Yeah, isn't that fucking cool as shit? Yes. Oh my god, we scienced the the zombies. <laughs> so so tons of doctors since you know the project zombie have questioned and outright di- disproved some of these findings. Mm-hmm. They they questioned the mes- methods of testings, they they found actual cases of mistaken fraud or identity, they found actual cases of just mental illness. That said, I think finding cases that make something more unlikely don't outright disprove something. Well, I think it kind of relates to what I was saying earlier about how when you're part of when you're in a culture that believes that kind of stuff, that's going to be a good uh, smokescreen or solution for a lot of issues. Yeah. Right. So, of course, there's going to be like people who are just crazy who, you know, get people decide are zombified or people who, you know, are just stealing someone's identity and don't want to get caught that are going to make like, of course, they're going to use that as a vehicle. But yeah, that doesn't necessarily I don't know, to me, the simple availability of things like tetradoxin and cane toads. It's like, well, this had to come from somewhere. This is totally out of my ass. Like, honestly, it almost sounds like maybe this story was them describing real tetradoxin poisoning. Right. Sort you of know? creating myths like, to oh, describe. They're a zombie because they died and then weren't dead anymore. Right. Using a myth to describe you know? something that's really happening that you just don't have any other terminology to describe yet. Yeah. And so just because like you found a few cases that the they claimed were this way and weren't doesn't mean that the tetradoxin theory isn't a completely valid theory. Right. So, I just, ah! Yeah, the science in it was wicked cool. Way cool. Yeah. So do you want to finish this up with some pop culture? Yes, let's finish it up with pop culture and get me to bed. Okay. So, pop culture. Zombies 
actually occurred in film all the way back when other monster movies were showing up on the scene. Mm -hmm. So our first zombie flick happened in 1932 with White Zombie, Hmm. which is a pre-code horror film, which is neat on its own. Pre-code being before the, like, rating system. Okay, yes, great. It was like, it was like Wild West of movies. Awesome. Yeah. And it stars Bella Lugosi. Lovely. As evil voodoo master. And, oh my god, this is... <laughs> His name is Murder Legendre. His name is Murder. That's great. <laughs> so, Murder it's Legendaire. Yeah. Now, it didn't go over too well at the time. I think because of bad acting. Yeah, well, with these zombie eyes, he rendered her powerless. <laughs> it's so great. <gasps> with this zombie grip, he made her perform his every desire. Dang. It's true. Yeah. And, I mean, it is a little naughty. It's not it the sounds, naughtiest, it's, uh, it's the, a little the, naughty. To me, I mean, the cover doesn't look naughty at all, but the, the text, I, do, I feel like, heavily implies some hanky-panky. Yeah. So so the plot is 100% Haitian zombie. Okay. It, it even takes place in Haiti. Okay. So so Madeline is this girl who's engaged to Neil. Mm-hmm. They show up to their friend Charles's sugar plantation. And Charles realizes that he wants Madeline. Mm-hmm. So he goes to murder Bella Lugosi. Okay. To make some kind of evil voodoo deal for the girl. Mm-hmm. And Murder has his own plantation, which is entirely staffed by murderous zombies. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. And he tells Charles he can give Madeline a potion which will turn him into a zombie, which he does. Or turn her into a zombie? Yes. Okay. So after Madeline and Neil are married... Charles gives her the potion, and she dies shortly after. Mm. And then Murder and Charles go to her tomb to raise her as a zombie. Of course. So, as movies used to do back then, in the end, all the bad guys die, and all of the zombies die, except for Madeline, who's somehow magically turned back into a normal person after Murder is killed. Great. And happy ending, yay. Right, because, you know. Right? Yeah. Because that's how horror used to be. So, now let's get into Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Now, this is... I have eternal, infinite love for George Romero. So, this movie was made in 1968. Mm-hmm. So, this film revolutionized zombies... Even though he never actually called the creatures zombies. Right, and you say he called them ghouls? He called them ghouls, yeah. And it revolutionized horror. So, you know, I've said before that that horror is always political. Mm -hmm. But he made it expressly political. How? I'll get into it. Mm, Yes, aren't you so (laughs) glad I asked? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. So it mostly takes place in this boring all-American farmhouse, Mm -hmm. whereas horror movies before usually took place in some distant exotic land. See also 
the Haitian example right before. Mm -hmm. Also, oh, also like in the in the revolutionization of zombies, the creatures for the first time were eh, reanimated cannibalistic dead Mm -hmm. who spread their condition with a bite. Yes. And can be killed by gunshot wound to the head or by burning the body. Perfect. It's also a completely nihilistic ending. So everyone dies. Everyone dies and everything's fucked. Everything's fucked. It is so tragic. So, the plot. And I'm going to cut some stuff because you don't want to hear me tell the whole plot. But I'll tell the plot. So the plot. This guy, Ben... He's the only black character, and he's really the only hero of the film. Everyone else white. Mm Mm-hmm. And shitty. (laughs) Everyone else white and shitty. Okay. So, he shows up, and he rescues Barbara, whose brother had just been killed by the ghouls in a cemetery nearby. He takes her to a farmhouse. He boards up the doors and windows. And he searches the house to find a radio and a hunting rifle. Mm-hmm. In the cellar, he finds a couple and their daughter, who was taken ill after having been bitten by the ghouls. Uh-oh. Then a teenage couple shows up. So we've got seven people. Those are the characters. So radio, radio reports that the recently dead are reanimating and consuming the flesh of the living. No one actually knows what's causing it, but some scientists think something, something radiation. Okay. The radio also reports that they've discovered that a gunshot wound to the head or burning the ghouls can stop them. And the posses are roaming the countryside to restore order. Yeah. So you're not going to yeah later. Oh, no. (laughs) So slowly over the course of the night, everyone is killed. I'm skipping a lot of plot here. Okay. Except Ben. Mm Mm-hmm. Who manages to survive after he's barricaded himself in the cellar. Okay. Ben is awoken in the morning by the posse's gunfire. And he wanders upstairs. Where he is immediately mistaken for a zombie. Shot in the forehead. And thrown on a pyre of corpses, which is then set on fire. Great. So... Romero says he didn't actually consider race when casting Dwayne Jones, who's Mm. who's Ben. But he did intend to create a subversive horror film. Mm -hmm. The zombies represented the silent majority during the civil unrest and disillusionment of the 1960s. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And, And that actually continues with all of his horror movies. George Romero goes on to create like a bunch of other zombie flicks. Mm hmm. One of the main ones is Dawn of the Dead, Mm -hmm. which is literally a metaphor for consumerism. Right. They hold themselves up in a fucking mall. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And whether he intended it or not, he created an immensely powerful race message by portraying the only hero as a black man who survives the night against zombie hordes only, only to be to shot be murdered by a bunch of rednecks at the end of the film. Yeah, that's terrible. So, you're right, whether that was Romero, his intended message or not, it's one that's there. Yeah, and honestly, it's been if you if you like look into like black horror, mm-hmm. this is such an important part of the movement. Okay. You know, 
because because it's such a powerful metaphor for what's regularly experienced by black Americans. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not even that convoluted of a metaphor. It's pretty direct. Yeah, no, it's 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 honestly kind of ham-fisted. It's honestly kind of amazing that he didn't intend that. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, oh, hey, rednecks be murdering the good guy. <laughs> right. Because he's black. That, yeah, because he's black. You got it? <laughs> just, in, just in case you didn't get it. That's why. In case you didn't get it, it's because it's he's black. Yeah, the white guys, yeah, they fuck everything up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, also, this is kind of an interesting thing. Romero didn't intend for his monsters to be zombies. Mm-hmm. You know, he called them ghouls, but... But, you know, in his own words, to him, zombies were still those boys in the Caribbean doing the wet work for Lugosi. Right. Like, straight up referencing white zombie. Right. You know, to him, zombies were brought back by voodoo. They weren't reanimated dead eating flesh. Right. Which is just cool. Just kind of cool. The, you know, he did all of this stuff kind of unintentionally, but also like in that like 60s, like, yeah, fuck the man kind of way. Right. And, you know, other horror creators did see the monsters as zombies. Thus, the modern zombie was born. Right. Well, you don't, nobody exists in a vacuum. Like, yeah, yeah. He's exactly. influenced by white zombie, whether or not he was choosing to take that influence directly. And that's definitely going to contribute to the zombie culture. So, mm hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, ten years later, when Romero released Dawn of the Dead, he, too, referred to the monsters as zombies. It's like, all right, yes, you're right, they're zombies. Yep. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of years back, George Romero died. Mm. Rest in peace. And, uh, so, in a way, I would like this to be an in-memoriam of George Romero... I feel like because, because bless him. <laughs> I uh, this is kind of fucked up, but I have to share it. I kind of feel like I hope somebody like put a rock on his chest or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I should find out how he was buried because like that kind of matters. <laughs> I do. I feel yeah. I just feel like you know if you helped to. You know, if you're the father of modern zombie flicks, that maybe yeah. that should be acknowledged on in your death his somehow. Head was removed from his body, he was specifically cremated. You know, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like there should be a nod to it because, like, come yeah. on, that's hilarious. I love it. I feel like I wouldn't want to. I definitely wouldn't want to like do anything disrespectful or desecrate the corpse of anybody I cared about. But that if I was in any way involved. In the affairs of somebody who had done what he did, like, eh, you'd kind of want to, you know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's fitting. Like, it's almost fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's lighthearted. A little brevity. It's not intended to be disrespectful. It's intended to be an homage. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Bring a little brevity to the situation. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, thank you. That's really funny. Thank you. So yeah. So yeah, that's George Romero. This is why I fucking love zombies. This is why I love horror is political. Yeah. So so yeah, that's zombies. Yeah. Was that way more fun than terrorism? That was so much more fun than terrorism. 
that was that was fun. That was fun to research. I skipped a few zombie things. Like we didn't talk about the um the weird it's a mushroom. It's a fungus <gasps> that like takes over Cordyceps. Yeah. Cordyceps and how every Okay, fun fact for our listeners. Um it's really common if you Google cordyceps that you see a video that's shot in the rainforest that features ants, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they briefly mention in that video that I think everyone really needs to think about is that cordyceps are a highly specialized uh, species, which means that there are different cordyceps for a multitude of different that, that target one specific insect. So they show clips where it's like oh. a grasshopper looking thing and a beetle looking thing. Like there's a different, I guess, strain of cordyceps mm-hmm. for multiple creatures. That kind of makes sense. And you know, you evolved to be specific for one thing. Yeah. But also cordyceps, that's like a that's like a hippie supplement that people take all the time. Like you look at things and it's like cordyceps mushrooms mm-hmm. is Oh, totally. Yeah. If you're looking at like supplements Wild. and stuff, like mushrooms are really good for you. They have a lot of medicinal value. You're and, taking zombie mushrooms. Yeah. That's and so you know, I, uh, again, I, I forget how this came up. Some, one of the kids at work asked me to share a cool science fact with them or something. And so I was instantly like, oh, fuck you guys. And so I showed him the video of the ants and everything. So I was like, you know, whatever. I'm going to freak you out a little bit. And then our first That's question fun. was like, is there a species of cordyceps to target humans? And I was like, don't know. And I don't want to find out. Not going <laughs> to Google that. And if I do Google That's that, I'm fair. not going to tell you the answer. <laughs> I mean, Bringing that back to more nerd stuff, um, in The Last of Us, I think that's what it is. Yeah, The Last of Us. It's a that's a zombie apocalypse uh, survival horror game mm-hmm. where one of the kinds of zombies is this. It's definitely like a fungus zombie. Like the fungus has grown over their face. I think they're called clickers. Mm-hmm. They only hear. Okay. They can't see. And it's it's literally like cordyceps zombie. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Neat. I'm sure it's exactly yeah, yeah. So so yeah, we we. I mean, I guess we now touched on it. So so cordyceps. Whatever. It's a fun little bonus. It's a, it's a fun little bonus, and like I skipped over Jeffrey Dahmer because that's that's just too big. Yeah, that's just too big. And it's 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 well. And I was talking about right, that cultural time and distance. It's a little. For, for that, us needing a lighter, it yeah, for, it's not as fun. For us yeah. needing a lighter, uh, more fun episode. Yeah, going I need into to not have yeah. Jeffrey. Dunn yeah, you can't can't my... go into that right now. Yeah, can't do it's it. Too real. I can't do too it. Too real. Uh-uh. It's too real. It's too real. I feel too bad for those victims because I can see pictures of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have the cultural Whereas, distance. Like, you know, the guy that died in 1500. There's like a wood carving of him, but like. It's hard to empathize yeah. with the wood carving. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that was that was zombies. Ooh, zombies. God, that was so fun. I enjoyed I horror. I enjoyed I so much horror. I hope everybody had fun with this one because I had a lot of fun with this one. I'm sure they did. Don't don't tell us if you didn't have fun. Just pretend like you liked it, please. <laughs> just pre- just like just pretend that you had fun. I mean, it's probably not the first time for anyone. Let's be honest. So <laughs> that was good for you. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, sign off stuff. Follow us on all the social medias at Palm Pitch Pod. Donate to us if you are interested and have a few extra bucks to throw at some podcasters. And 
give us ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever. And that'd be rad. We would love you five ever. It's true. So much. I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, and like contact us if you feel like, you know, also through the social medias. Yeah, totally. Send us an email. That would be super yeah. dope. Super dope. Palm Pitch Pod. I feel like email. emails are probably like the old person version of social media communication, right? Like, that's what I get most excited about. I'm like, ooh, yeah, send me a send me an email. Type me out a paragraph. It's just because like it feels so much more personal. Right. But, like you can DM us at, you know, Twitter or Instagram. That was fun. Uh, something, something. K, love you, bye. K, love you, bye. K, love you, bye. Shame.